call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 58 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched the 1986 Vietnam War classic Platoon. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at CallItFriendOPodcast. Drop us a line there with any feedback or recommendations. Because I'd like to hear about it, potheads. What have you been watching? Well, I just uh, had a nice sip of coffee there. Let me tell you, I've been watching a couple of things. I watched the first two episodes of Hawkeye. Oh, I've not seen it yet. Hawkeye Uh, the new. I have a few hours of free apartment tonight and I have so many things to choose from. It might have to be Hawkeye. These episodes are around 45 minutes in length. They're the first two episodes of six of another Marvel TV series. That's what happens now. Every month you get a new Marvel TV series as part of phase four. Yeah. I I don't know. I'll need to see Eternals before I properly make up my mind about this. But it feels like they're uh, it's getting oversaturated a bit, no? I would have said so, but I really I've really enjoyed the first episodes of the old Hawkeye. I've heard the setup and it sounds like exactly what I want. Hawkeye's got like real Shane Black type vibes to it because it's set around Christmas. Uh, it's funny. It's surprisingly funny. It's uh, Jeremy Renner's not looking too young these days, but he's actually yeah, he's got some comedy chops. He's he's. I th- I've always thought, yeah, yeah. I've always thought he's one of the funnier ones in the MCU, quite honestly. And uh, he's paired alongside Haley Stanfield. She's good. She's good. Yeah, from True Grit. True Grit. When she was about five years old, now she's an adult, an adult or adult, and uh, yeah, she's very likable and fun. It's got kind of kick-ass vibes as well to a little bit, just in that she's, again, is not really a superhero, but she's getting put into that world. Uh, But again, for me, most important person, Tony Dalton. Are you familiar with old Tony Dalton? I am not. Lalo Salamanca. You're not that far into uh, Better Call Saul, are you? I'm one season behind. Have you met Lalo yet? You know who Lalo is? I'm not sure. Okay, because if if you knew Tony Dalton, you would know Tony. You would know Tony Dalton. He's a, a Mexican American actor. He's so much fun. He's he's one of the most fun actors I can think of. I gotta look him up right now. And he's fun in this. He's playing a. He's he's the kind of. He seems like he's probably. I don't know if he's the main baddie. He's one. He seems like he's being positioned as a baddie. But he's playing his usual kind of slime bag. No, I don't know him. Oh, he's so good. You'll you'll like him when you get to you get through that series of Bear Call Saul. You'll you'll love him. He's uh yeah, he's very fun. So I've got high hopes for the remaining four episodes of the show. Three of the other episodes were directed by Bert and Bertie. Are you familiar with them? No. They are a pair of uh, ladies, film and TV directors from the UK. I thought they were going to be a pair of gay uh, Chinese... Uh... <laughs> Chinese what? <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Go on anyway. Yeah, so Bert and Bertie are a, a pair of Chinese gang masters. Yeah, that's it. All right, sorry. I could, uh, that's a reference to our friend Peter Bradshaw, uh, enemy of the show, Peter Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bert and Bertie have uh, directed the next three episodes, three to five, and uh, they seem to have good chops. Nice. So I'm I'm intrigued. I think it's a solid show leading into the next Marvel film. 
I, for one, am enjoying the streaming wars, to be honest. I li- like I like them better when players like Disney and Apple are involved, quite frankly, because their whole thing, they're not into uh, acquisitioning things. Well, no, Disney are massively into acquisitioning things, but to get people watching their, their service, they're more into just plopping down absolutely essential sh- shit, you know, like stuff mm. you've got to watch. Apple are more just concerned about, okay, this is going to be the best thing ever. We're going to pump loads of money into it. Strange as well, because I watched all of Apple's adaptation of Foundation, and like I think you'd really like it, for example. Uh, and there's apparently there's going to be eight series of it. But yes. I couldn't find anybody else who's been watching it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not that familiar still uh, with that one. I will eventually get around to it. But You've been watching anything things? else? Well, I've watched one other thing, but it was the making of Platoon, so maybe ah, we'll I get should to that. leave that till a bit later on. Tell me what you watched. Uh, okay, I'll give a big shout-out to a, a 4K transfer of a Road Warrior, which we've just discussed and Andy has never seen. And I put it up for a toss. Have you forgotten that? I, I haven't. I have put forgotten Mad that, Max apparently. 2 up for a toss, and I lost. I can't remember what the other thing was. What was the criteria? I think the criteria might have been Mel Gibson films. Oh, and you chose uh, Year of Living Dangerously or something. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad I did. It was a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's just fucking glorious. <laughs> you should watch it as soon as possible if you haven't seen it. It's just absolutely glorious. This is what 4K TVs are, for, are as far as I'm concerned. Just remastered versions of all classics done like that. Amazing. Wow. And also, I would like to give a big shout out to... I'm two episodes in to a British show called... Show trial, a mini series, British crime thriller. Uh, thankfully enough, though, the the detective leading the case does not have any personal issues this time around. Uh, you know, the detectives are just okay. You know, they got families and stuff. It's fine. But like the twist of it is, just the main suspect, is, like who, you know, you're kind of waiting for her to be shown to be innocent. Let's say as the mystery reveals itself, because it's too obvious. But she's just so, like. So, so unlikable, she's super likable. Like, as an audience member, I'm totally rooting for her. Her name is Talitha, which is a great name for a, a, ca- a character you're supposed to hate, yeah. Well, she sounds like she should be in Last Night in Soho or something. There you go. Yeah, she's almost she's almost like one of the bully characters from Last Night in Soho. She's yeah. that kind of girl. I love shit like that on TV. Just when people really lean into... Like, you know, the police chief from The Raid last week. Like, I love stuff like that. It's like, oh, we're supposed to dislike this cunt. This is what, we're, this is what they're doing with him. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm really enjoying Show Trial. I've got um, three episodes left to go. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me, I feel, because uh, we watched uh, we watched Platoon then. Oliver Stone's uh, 1986 Best Picture winner. Wow. Platoon. Where do you stand yeah. on Oliver Stone? What do you think of him? Uh, he seemed to me like a much more important figure in the early 90s, the 80s and 90s. Like, that's how it felt to me. Mm-hmm. Going and just looking at his filmography a little bit, you know, he uh, he wrote Midnight Express, Scarface. Then he his first kind of real, real, real film that he got made was Salvador. He made that and then Platoon back to back. Then you're into like Wall Street, talk radio, Born on the Fourth of July, The Doors, JFK. That period to me is I've like seen all of those. Yeah, yeah, Stone. yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, towards, obviously, you've got Natural Born Killers, Nixon, Any Given Sunday. Those feel like they still have some weight to them a little bit. Yes. But then by 2004, it's Alexander, World Trade Center, W, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, Savages, and Snowden. I think the last one on that list that I've seen was W, but I I saw Alexander as well, and I saw the director's cut of Alexander. 
Um, I wasn't as down on Alexander as a lot of people. I thought it was a mess, but I thought the battle scenes were great, and I thought you've still got so like. Here's the thing about Oliver Stone is I don't think the man is capable of making an uninteresting film because I just think he's a little bit of a ma- maverick. I mean, he's famous as a man of opinions, let's say, and he fucking leans into them, like you know. Whereas like filmmakers like um, Scorsese or Spielberg when he was making Munich, they're making films like sort of trying to figure something out almost, but no, Oliver Stone has the answers. This is it. Like, you know, he's not... Have you seen Nixon, for example? Yeah. Do you remember the introduction of J. Edgar Hoover as played by Bob Hoskins in Nixon? Nope. I remember almost not. I remember the Anthony, uh, Anthony Hopkins as Nixon. That's about all I remember from that film. I watched it like back in the day, probably in the 90s. Well, the, like the introduction of Bob Hoskins, J. Edgar Hoover famously maybe supposedly a closeted homosexual and crossdresser and they he he's introduced as like chummily giving nixon campaign advice on a telephone as he sits like beside a pool and then he or this young venezuelan boy comes over and gives him some fruit and he tells him to go and wait up in his room that does sound familiar and, and it's like it's about as subtle as a brick to the face but that's oliver stone for you you know yeah um like i would say of his film, okay. Now that I've seen Platoon, Platoon is probably my favorite of his films, to be honest. But I have huge time also for JFK and Any Given Sunday. Um, JFK, I suppose. I just love the fact that it's not the mo- it's the movie's not about JFK. It's about the guy asking questions, which is Oliver Stone, which Jim Garrison, Jim Garrison. Yeah, which it was. I think it was you know a very personal story for him for that. I mean, it's about the conspiracy theorist. You know, it's about him basically. And um, I don't know, any given Sunday, I just thought it was such a... I'm Willie Beeman. <laughs> yeah. Willie Beeman, got the ladies screaming. I mean, that did, like, that skewered kind of professional sports like Friday Night Lights did for small town sports. Like, I, it was so behind the scenes. Life is a game of inches. <laughs> I mean, okay. And I've got two of them. <laughs> and they're very soft. Shouty Al on top form also, yes. Cameron Diaz is great. Oh, I, how many people have used that speech for horrible, oh, cringy stop. team yeah, meeting, yeah. like corporate team meetings? It's ruined. Like the speech is ruined. But the the I saw any given Sunday in the cinema, I believe. Me too. And uh, it fucking blew me away when I saw it in the cinema. That speech. I thought I would. I it's yeah, a very memorable good. cinematic experience it's just, for me. It's been memed out of existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, loads of nice big willies. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, when Cameron I, Diaz goes... I don't think that was in my version. I watched the censor. <laughs> no, one. I just paused it and watched something else because oh, okay. <laughs> all, all the men were making me think of stuff. No, no, Cameron Diaz goes down to the changing room and she's... That does sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, she's greeted by all these willies. Uh, but I just thought... It, like, I just thought... Willie Beeman. I think it's interesting, like, it's interesting to view Oliver Stone through that movie because you're like, oh, this, is, this isn't about the American government doing stuff, but you can still feel Oliver Stone very much in that movie. I was gonna. I ran out of time. I was gonna watch the uh, documentary that came out this year, JFK Re- Revisited Through the Looking Glass. Is this by Oliver Stone? Yes. Oh, I we, didn't even know, but I'll watch uh, that for sure. Yeah, it was narrated by Whoopi Goldberg. Whoa! <laughs> and and Donald Sutherland. He's clearly uh, <laughs> scratching together stones to find what uh, few uh, friends he has left in Hollywood. That's uh, bottom of the barrel stuff there. Whoopi Goldberg, but wow. It Jesus. premiered at Cannes this year. Uh, supposedly, it's uh, it's reasonably highly rated. I think... Some of it is going through uh, kind of conspiracy theory stuff that might have grown, and I think he's shooting down. So he, I think it's 
some of it is to look at the look at what he presented in the past and kind of go like this is what i meant by that mm. like 30 years later have you seen um any of his documentaries no what were the uh, what documentaries did he do the untold history of the united states which is very good i do recommend that um if you're in, no you'd have to be interested in history but it's it's good and uh it gets a little bit opinionated in the last few episodes but um particularly his coverage of the like post-war post-world war ii elections is very interesting um and but one that i do recommend people watch as much for the subject as for oliver stone himself is the putin interviews Putin. Um, just because, I like Oliver Stone got accused very fairly of uh, giving Putin a bit of an easy ride with certain things, certain other things. Wait, Stone interviewed Putin or someone? Else? Oh no, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Between 2015 and 2017. Yeah, wow. yeah, three times. There are times like you, you never quite get behind Putin's facade, but you, I don't know, you feel Stone both admires him and is skeptical of him, of him i like i the thing is i feel above all stone is kind of a patriot like stone loves america but anyway he fought for his country exactly exactly uh i do really like oliver stone i like any filmmaker that charismatic who you can feel in his material and uh, i fucking loved platoon i can't believe it's taken me this long to watch it i will be watching it again that's it, yeah i mean it's, it's more interesting to hear what you thought about it because i saw this i've seen this film a few times. The one thing I'll say about it is uh, the first time I watched it was probably around 20, just over 20 years ago. Mm. And I would say in that period, it has aged a lot. Okay. I just mean if it didn't feel so dated 20 years, like that 20 years has hit this film harder than it would have a full metal jacket uh, or apocalypse yeah. now or something well, like that. Well, you can feel the lack of budget, let's that's say that. That's it. And that 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 that's another point is when I first watched this it was probably on VHS and now this time I was watching a Blu-ray. Mm. Rip. But yeah, seeing it in such high def, it really you could see the seams cuz the budget of this was 6 million. Apocalypse yeah, now yeah, yeah. is is close to 30, I think. And uh well I mean, Full Metal full, Jacket is similar. It's around thirty. Plus, Full Metal 30. Jacket was like Full Metal Jacket took full like got all of its cast and crew sick by going into this these um, uh, bombed sites in London to to yeah they yeah, filmed yeah. on the Isle of Dogs yeah yeah that's right um, I love dogs. which you know that was able to get them their setting very easily. Whereas here they're just in some jungles like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to the Philippines with Charlie Sheen. It was a return to the Philippines ten years later. Oh, after, after having, he was there yeah. with his daddy, and uh, ironically ended up acting in another celebrated Vietnam War film where he played the lead and provided voiceover, just like Daddy Martin in Apocalypse Now. I loved you in Wall Street. Yeah, that's right. What's that uh, quote? Hot from? shots part you. Right. Yeah, that's right. Lovely. This film was nominated for eight Oscars and won four. It won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Film Editing, Best Sound. It's a it, an eight who Oscar beat it nomin- that year for best original screenplay. I think the screenplay is fantastic. Surely it got nominated for best original screenplay. It did. The ones it lost were so Tom Berger and Willem Dafoe were both nominated for best supporting actor. Fair enough. And uh, they lost out. It was nominated for best original screenplay and best cinematography. The winners that year, the, who they lost out to, Best Supporting Actor, they lost out to Michael Caine for Hannah and Her Sisters. I just watched Hannah and Her Sisters last week. Did not mention it on this podcast. It's one of those Woody Allen films where I wish I had watched it before I knew all the creepy stuff about him. 
Mm, I've definitely seen Hannah and her sisters, but a long time ago. That also won Best Original Screenplay. Uh, but I would have given it to... I would have definitely given it to Platoon over that. It might have been a split the vote thing because Platoon and Salvador were both uh, nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Also, uh, one of the greatest films ever made, Crocodile Dundee, was nominated. For Best you, Original you still Screenplay? You still haven't seen Crocodile Dundee? No, I Dundee. haven't. I haven't seen it. I know the uh, jokes. Sacrilege. That's not a knife. This is a knife. There we that go. That's it. That's I think it. that might be from Crocodile Dundee 2. Oh, no. Remember. So it took you all of these years. Why do you think you put this one off so long? Because, I mean, it is a Best Picture winner. It's just... I don't know. Not for any good reason. Just the occasion never came up, I suppose. I think this one is quite interesting. And I've seen Born on the Fourth of July, which is its spiritual sequel. Even Even though he tried to get Born on the Fourth of July made before this. Well, well, he tried to get Platoon made a long time mm. back. He'd written it took him ten years to get this film made. Yeah, and he it had was to go only to when I had to go outside of Hollywood. It was only when films the, the the people wanted to hear about this kind of dark side of Vietnam again. When he found out that they were making, uh, you know, that Stanley Kubrick was making a Vietnam film. Mm. Um, but again, he was, was working. He was, out, he was working outside uh, outside of Hollywood. Right, and a six million budget. I mean, although I just said you can see the limitations of the six million budget, what they're able to do for six million dollars of going to the Philippines and getting a ca- obviously the uh, this well, cast, the strength these is cast the cast were not known. The, the cast were largely unknown. So like mm. people like Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp was nothing. He hadn't done anything. Johnny Depp's the only member of the cast I have a problem with. Johnny, uh, like Johnny Depp, was a musician at this point. Yeah, he wasn't even he wasn't really trying to act. He was he he was in uh, a number of bands. He was in a band he, with River Phoenix, I believe. He was in uh, he he was in multiple bands. Like he's he was way into music. I actually went on YouTube and watched uh, a few like videos of him playing. He's really fucking good. He's like genuinely an amazing musician. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, very good. He's very talented. He did so, uh, a song with um, Shane McGowan. The woman's got yeah. me drinking. I I read um, last year. I read Oliver Stone's book. I really, really, really recommend it. It's called Chasing the Light. I saw you have a copy of that in your house. Yeah, after watching it, I flicked it out and read it, reread a couple of chapters. It's like it's a memoir that takes you from his early life up until he got to make Platoon, which I thought was an excellent decision, actually, because it was the kind of first... He says he's going to write, write a follow-up memoir, but it was kind of the first sort of big arc in his own story, you know, finally getting to make Platoon. And it's a fascinating story. I mean, the thing is, to hear Oliver Stone in interviews, there's not an ounce of humor in his body. <laughs> like, I, not, yeah, a, I w- not an ounce, but like, you know, if you're going to be a serious person with serious opinions, I mean, fucking live a life like Oliver Stone, in my opinion. Yeah, that's all right that you have no sense of humor. I watched one of his episodes, uh, uh, or not an episode, I watched him speaking at Oxford University, the student mm. union. And the first 20 minutes or so, he's explaining his, his, his war record. And he's like, I was in this huge bombing. Uh, it forms what is like the final 20, 30 minutes of mm. this film. And uh, yeah, he's just explaining all this stuff. And the Oxford University students are just sitting there kind of like, oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> uh, they do not engage at all. If he's telling these like really interesting stories and then they're asking him questions like, is it easier these days for women to break into the film industry? Oh my <laughs> he's like, god! He's telling them like all this life and death stuff, and they're like, and they're asking him questions like, "What do you think about climate change?" 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he was in the shit. I know, I know, I know. And people are just like, like not w- even You you know me well enough to know like I'm majorly buzzed up for stuff like that. And like when I'm reading his <laughs> memoir, I'm like immediately in my eyes all my favorite filmmakers are paling to nothingness because i'm just i want to just run up to fucking quentin tarantino and go he was in the shit yeah all right look at this like he knows what the fuck he's talking about he's he interviewed fidel castro (laughs) like he's interviewed everyone yeah yeah, i mean like the guy's you know he swings for it you know i don't know i like i've just got probably almost too much admiration for him just as like a, a filmmaker so much so i i don't mind him being po faced like apparently he uh, apparently he really dis- does not like the film tropic thunder which specifically kind of lampoons we can talk about this now actually well that that makes sense because like tropic Th- i mean tropic thunder is 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 essentially making fun of this film it, i don't think and it's it- making fun of this film i think it's making fun of what a lot of the people promoting the film like the actors and stuff were saying at the time which was it was one of the first films to become famous for doing a boot camp and it was it was the first film was it? It, yeah according to dale die who who's now gone on to do a bunch of boot camps on films and tv series like this was the he was this was the first time that anyone took him seriously and let him do it and uh, by all accounts like in promoting the film the actors were saying things like you know he said action and we were there man i don't care what anybody says we were there and apparently it was this that inspired um, Justin Thoreau and uh, Ben Stiller to to write the well, screenplay. Well, S- Stiller also tried to get a part in this film. Like he in auditioned, Yeah, he auditioned for a role and was turned down. So I'm not surprised that he would come back later. Also, so... <laughs> this, that adds a thread of bitterness I, I wasn't expecting. Platoon is about the 25th, in, uh, the 25th Infantry, and mm. they're stationed in Hawaii. They're referred to as Tropic Lightning. So oh, that's a pretty direct tro- so reference. So Tropic Thunder is like 100% just referencing the 25th in, uh, Infantry, who Ice-T was a member of from 1977 to wow. 1979. There you go, he served. Ice-T served? Yeah, he served. He, uh, uh, he uh, made money as a pimp at the same time. While serving with the the U.S. Army, someone make this movie. <laughs> I, yeah, they probably already did. It's called Buffalo Soldiers. Have you seen that? I have seen Buffalo Soldiers. Yeah, yeah, that's similar vibe. I think. Yeah, like with the uh, Wacking Phoenix. Yeah, their yeah, station. Yeah. I like that film in Berlin. Right. Berlin. Yeah, yeah, it's a very yeah, good yeah. film. It's good fun. I think it's a bit like that. Um. Well, what you're saying about that boot camp and everything. The other thing I watched this week was Brothers in Arms: The Making of Platoon, which yes. is directed by Paul Sanchez, who played Doc in uh, Platoon. It's quite fun and breezy. It gets a bit more serious in tone as it progresses. Johnny Depp in particular was not happy with Oliver Stone. Right, I, yeah, I'll jump in on this here. Um, I suppose this will be going into cast anyway, but like, I felt everybody in Platoon has this fucking manic, insane energy, except for Johnny Depp. I felt Johnny Depp was the only one who looked like, you know, I don't know. He's the only one to me who didn't look like a soldier. Uh, and and when you told me that he wasn't he wasn't down for it, like apparently I did read somewhere or here. No, I heard in an interview that he was not chuffed with the whole boot camp idea. He had, he had uh, multiple problems of just being told to do stuff. But a, a large part of this documentary is these guys explaining. You, you were talking about them being, you know, the, when Stone had them ready to go, they mm. were all like, "Yes, sir, we're ready to go." But they have a bond that's existed since the making of the film. Mm. Like 30, 35 years later, they still hang out with each other. They still call each other by their character names and stuff like that. 
they were drinking heavily every night. They had a band going at the, the this like they would go to this. So bar. those party scenes are just uh, yeah yeah yeah. They were just like you know they 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 formed a band. There's multiple musicians in the cast, and they had this really tight band. They would play songs every night at the at, at the local bar. As sober man and mostly sober man these days of the two par- of the two parties that they're going to. Who do you want? Who would you join if you had to? Well, so the the well, it's drinking or weed, basically. Drinking or drugs, yeah. Yeah, I would say that I'd be on the drinking side. I'd be me, Kevin Dillon, <laughs> be hanging out. Similar oh, mind, similar mindset. I'd hop me and straight Kevin down to the opium den. No, not for me. They look like nicer people, but I'm a bit worried about Willem Dafoe. He's a bit handsy in this film. Oh yeah, I mean, he's like suck on the end of my uh, suck on I my mean, gun. After maybe Frodo and Sam, it's the yeah, it's, it's the most it, unconsummated gay romance yeah, in film history between him and Charlie Sheen. Going back to Johnny Depp and not being particularly happy, I, he, everyone was absolutely fucking caning it the entire time. Mm. They were just like they're on drinking, the hooch, they're on the doing weed. all kinds of stuff. Mm. At one point, they were in a bar and uh, Johnny Depp was up on a balcony and Stone was below, and Depp took his cock out and went to piss on Oliver Stone. And got pulled back by like one of the like first AD or something. Kind of went like, "What the fuck are you doing?" But Depp was that annoyed that he was literally going to to urinate on Oliver. Stone. What did he hate so much? What was he annoyed about? Is so, he inter- is he interviewed in the film? Yeah, uh, in the yeah, in, in the uh, Brothers in Arms documentary, which you can find on YouTube. I should Someone, watch that. Someone's ripped it onto YouTube, or if you know where to get stuff, you can get a nicer copy. But so there was a bunch of stuff. So in in the uh, village scene. They couldn't get the little girl to cry. Okay. So Stone, like, basically just went fucking apeshit at her. And she's, like, seven, seven years old or something. And Depp, basically, uh, they had this uh, Filipino cop watching the set. Yeah. And when this happened, Depp says he saw the, the, the cop reaching for, reaching for his gun to like pull his gun out and so Depp like jumped across and like went like yo 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 calm calm down Mm. but he said like some of the stuff that went on just it went too far like Stone was pushing it way too far he said it wasn't necessary but he's the only one it's funny looking back because in a a way a lot of these actors went on to work with Oliver Stone again Johnny Depp never did yes so I assume they've just had a problem ever since in a way right of any like when I hear stuff like like everybody loves stories about directors going too far, it's the stuff of great film lore, you know. But like like for example, you'd hear William Friedkin often say in interviews these days, like the uh, that he would not do the French Connection again. These days, he wouldn't consider making a movie worth breaking a hamster's toe, you know. But that and I fully agree with that. But all that said, I think if there is a film in which it could be considered slightly forgivable for a director to get too intense and too over the top, it's it's Oliver Stone retelling his experience in Vietnam. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I 100%. just, yeah. But I think, I think that's like, now we're accustomed to this, though. It wasn't the case back then in 1986. No. Like, Dale Dye went on to do things like Band of Brothers. I think he did Saving Private Ryan as well. But like, thinking about Band of Brothers, that's one of the greatest things TV series ever. ever. This is one of the, yeah, the greatest pieces of art, let's say, ever. Yeah. And the and the same thing happened in this film, like making Platoon. The characters were in this sleep-deprived state where they didn't know what the fuck was going on. And so 
the film is shot chronologically. It's shot in order. The scenes are shot in order. You can see so that. they're just they all they had to do was react mm. to a certain uh, a certain thing. Uh, okay, maybe there is a bit of the like you have you tried acting, dear boy? Like that type, you know, like there's there's something to be I argued for being an actor, could... but this is different. Yeah. This is not this is not fucking Dustin Hoffman going for a run around the block. Partic- right, this okay. Is Even the lesser actors are elevated by the manic energy of it. Like Kevin Dillon's not a great actor. Kevin Dillon it was like 20 years old yeah, when yeah. this was made. Yeah, he is very much in the uh, like he's, but he's, he's, he's kind of like Johnny drama. Yeah. You you can see that that's who he is, but but he he's still got that mania that the rest of the cast have, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. increases as the film goes because they shot it. I'd say he's the scariest person. Yes, that's by far. He's, he's got the psycho. most disturbing scene in the film for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just beat a man to death. Well, so apart from actually the attempted child rape, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that that is that is also bad. Yes, that is is equally as bad as beating. That kind of uh, made me almost mentally... do a double take. I was like, wait, what, what? can't believe he showed that like you just don't get it man you don't you don't get it charlie sheen what about charlie sheen is he an actor is he an actor it's hard to believe nah. that because like he's nothing he's not i'm sorry but he's never he's got nothing on his dad no if you compare those no two films. no 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 got nothing on daddy daddy or was coach bombay for that matter oh yeah gordon bone that's right and that's who was originally going to play the part as well as what yeah old oh that Emilio. must have been a falling out no I don't think so. I think it was just he'd aged out or something. So they got Charlie. Because over the course of making the film, I mean, it took so long that eventually Charlie Sheen, again, was like in his early 20s. Huh. Okay. So it ended up being him. Want to riffle through the cast a little bit? Yeah, I was just going to say, my reaction to this film, I guess, uh, like I said, I feel like it... It has aged. You can see the seams a little. Uh, the voiceover is a bit overwrought at times, but I guess it's authentic enough for like such a young guy. Uh, it's some of the shite I might have said mm. when I was 20 years old, and I didn't <laughs> serve in a war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, soundtrack is still great. Barbara's Adagio for strings is a great choice, and uh, in the in the key death scene, it's still kind of iconic and yes. beautiful. All these years later. Uh, I think that's about it. Oh yeah, it was insanely successful. It made 138.5 million dollars. Yeah, it was US, his arrival. Six million. He got carte blanche for a few years uh, after budget. this. He claims he, he like he would claim he didn't. He would claim he's all was an outsider. But some of the stuff he made in the next few years would say he had carte blanche. I would say top five uh, Oliver Stone films by IMDb rating are Platoon, JFK, Wall Street, Salvador, and then Natural Born Killers. Ooh. Would be different to mine. Well, I still, I w- again, I was planning to watch Salvador. I'd never got around to it. I will. It looks does look solid mm-hmm. with James Woods and Jim Belushi. <laughs> those are those are some big names. Indeed. Those are the names you want. <laughs> what would you What would you rate as your your top? JFK top? was always uh, JFK was always the film that I enjoyed the most. I mean, it's about three hours long, but I've seen it so many times. How 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 big of a compliment is this? It's a it's a plus three hour movie that actually demands rewatching. You yeah. need to watch that more than once to it's fully get quick. what it's about. It's a very very quick film. It flies by. I always enjoyed Wall Street. Bit of greed is good. Natural Born Killers. I never cared for. No, don't I did not, not a fan. like that film. At I all. hate the way it switches between shooting styles. Yes, I find is. the Rodney Dangerfield uh, sitcom scene to be one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Really, uh, I find it, like quite unsettling. My favorite is probably Platoon now, to be honest. I'll like I just um 
yeah, towards the end with the battle scenes, you can see you can see where the budget is lacking. But for the most part, it feels really real. It feels real as fuck. There's some of the some of the gunshots again. It's uh, you were going back to that eighties thing of the thing again. It's yes, like it that hasn't held up so well. How much better Mortars are the gunshots in the like raid? That. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> See, a, a CG version of Platoon would be. I mean, they could do something really, really good with that. But all the kind of mortars and things like that, they were still they were setting off like explosions basically mm. like not just squibs like they were fucking blowing stuff up they were using well, like, like dangerous you levels you feel it so much because munitions. there's a, there's a plot going on in the film the dynamics between the boys are wordlessly established by the by the actors like you just know the, you know you know the deal between um Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger you, like Elias and Barnes Elias and Barnes you know the dynamic it's wordlessly set up it's uh, d- yeah, done very yeah, well yeah. but like and all the different b- between all the different dynamics between the different soldiers, and but the second a, ba- uh, a battle starts, it's all forgotten. And yeah, you're people, just in the battle. They're, they're working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I just, in general, like you just apart from killing each other. Apart from apart from apart from, uh, apart from that, which is a bit of a bummer. Apart from Barnes killing Elias, of course. I I think the scene in the village completely retains its power. I think it's yeah. yeah I think it still feels real and genuinely. Yeah, and quite horrific. Justified, agreed. <laughs> did the right thing. They did not. The U.S. military did nothing. Genuinely, wrong. a big statement here from me. But I, th- I think it's one. Well, this probably isn't a big statement. I think it's one of the best war films I've ever seen. Well, here, let me give you the top four Vietnam films by IMDb rating. Okay. Number one, Apocalypse Now. You see, here's two where full I... mail, two full mail oh, jacket, three platoon, four deer hunter. Okay, so here's where I'd interject on that. I would rate Apocalypse Now as higher than this. But just because Apocalypse Now is set around a war, I don't think it makes it a war film in the same way. Right? Because it's... Yeah. Well, it's it's Heart of Darkness. It's very stylized. Yes, it is based on a completely different property, but... Yeah, yeah. We're I'm it, thinking more of the scenes of, like, the person, you know, asking, like, who's in charge hey, here? you? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of energy is... And the USO show yeah, has yeah, a real yeah, 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 punch yeah. to it, or it makes a real statement. And th- like even stuff like the tiger in the jungle, mm-hmm. but mostly it's like it's got that it's got that real literal structure. And then in the end, when you such a good film, though. oh, it's, it's am- one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, I would it, like it's, it's in a rolodex of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. up there. So I need to rewatch it. Again. I've seen it so many times, and, too, and I'd watch too, it right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's watch it. Fucking ama- oh, by the way. McGinley, John C. McGinley, is doing Dennis Hopper in this, isn't he? He's, de- he's doing Dennis Hopper from uh, Apocalypse yeah, Now. Yeah, I like, I I like John C. McGinley. I think I, I watched this with subtitles on. Mm. I think that does damage to seeing a, an insane, over the top character like yeah, that yeah, yeah, to yeah, see yeah. their words written down. Yeah, yeah. It just makes them I haven't look got like, a clue what he was saying half the time. <laughs> You you shouldn't see what he's saying because you just kind of look at him and go like, oh, God, he's absolutely pathetic. To be fair, <laughs> he's in a fucking war zone. He is a pathetic surrounded character. Surrounded by psychopaths. Someone, I, I, I don't know what I was reading or watching of all the many things I've absorbed this week, but someone was saying like in when people like to think about like this type of film they're thinking like oh who would i be am i barnes oh i don't uh, want to think who about I, that. you know who which of these characters am i but oh, the reality probably... is no you're fucking john c mcginley you're just trying to like <laughs> you're ju- you're just trying to get out you're trying to go home you're, you yeah. you you cling on to the psychopath because you're like this guy's probably going to make it out so you're like yeah i'm friends with tom Berenger now just because you know he's the most like can Bob, i be keith Bobby david barnes. Uh, you can be Forrest Wicker. All right, I'll that. take it. As long as I get to be black. 
That's all. That's it. Got Generally, it. though, yeah, uh, I absolutely loved it. I think as well, like the what forms the center and makes it work is just yeah, location, the cast, and the script, and like where the action, like like where they shoot the action so close in and it's a little bit more chaotic and like, okay, well, they cut to wider when they're bombing the camp later and you get to see a little bit more of what's going on. But I I thought it just, it works so well. And I can imagine as well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say there was a film before this that addressed the Vietnam War and its failures so directly. And yeah, okay, the the fight, like, it, it's almost like, him, him kind of getting permission for going over the top with such a such a personal story. He also kind of gets permission with that closing voiceover, which is like the most on the nose thing ever. Like we need to go and live our lives now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, generally speaking, blown away. We'll watch again. Loved it, and it's only two hours, but it feels longer. I'll say in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to really dislike the final thirty minutes or so of this film. Like, I remember previously, I certainly remember the first couple of times I watched it, I really didn't like that. The action. Yeah, yeah, I just, but I think that might have been something to do with watching things on, like, kind of VHS. Mm. Just the quality was so poor. It was, you know, we remember used to watch things on, like, old shitty CRT TVs and stuff like that. Like, it's, now these type of things are so much easier to make out. It's like when I went to see, I went to see Jaws a few years ago at the cinema. It was like a, mm. a new 4K version or whatever. One of the best movies ever. In that, it, seeing that in kind of high def, you're like, oh wow, you can make out, you can make out stuff that wasn't even supposed to be seen. Yeah. Which can, can, at times can be a bit of a problem. Maybe that's where I felt like I saw the seams a bit this time, but all of that action was so much clearer and so much easier to make out. Like, mm. you know, people watching in the cinema in 1986 would have had no problems. But then home video for a whole generation, it was just a fucking murky shite. You had no idea what the fuck was going yeah. on. And now it's so much, now it's extremely clear. Well, there's one. And, and I like that. I like the final 30 minutes almost like that was maybe the like strongest part for me. There's one action scene in the film that I thought was genuinely just really really great um the first one when they're out on patrol and junior goes to sleep on watch yeah and uh, sheen just sees the silhouette yeah, sees, sees the guys the silhouettes of the, the jungle and like the thing is it's it's i love it when films do this it shows you the guy in the first shot yeah and you don't notice him and then it goes back and yeah, it moves they're, they're slightly. just there yeah they're, yeah, they're yeah multiple there's like six guys or something and i thought there. like i thought that was done super well yeah super well super what about this cast then well, there's obviously there's a ton of people. I've got too uh, many. Yeah, I've got bits and pieces for some of them, so not everyone, but I do have a lot. Starting with Charlie Sheen, who played Chris. His real name is Carlos Erwin Estevez. I knew that. Charlie has HIV. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. Jesus. <laughs> do you know there's something called the uh, Charlie? I think it's called the Charlie Sheen effect. Which was at, after he uh, came out saying he had HIV, mm-hmm. the, the the test rates went through the roof. Lots and lots of men went and got tested for HIV. What? They were like, I fucked Charlie Sheen. I need to get tested. That's wild. Yeah. No, 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 imagine that he's the person who swings it for someone. They're like, well, if Charlie Sheen's got AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the person you're measuring yourself? I guess it explains the success of things like Two and a Half Men. Well, there was a 
People brief really period, identify with Charlie Sheen, apparently. There was a brief period where he was having his very public meltdown, where he kind of became That tiger iconic. blood period. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, there was a... That's, you're right. He was, like, the biggest person in the world for a, a, a Yeah, I'm winning. Year. That was his whole thing. Winning, yeah. That was weird. That was a weird, weird time. There's not much else to say about Charlie Sheen, just that... And the whole thing, was now we know, it was basically his very public reaction to the news that he ha- he was HIV positive. Fair play. It all makes sense. Poor Carlos. Tiger they're, blood. They're trying to keep the, trying to keep the uh, Mexican man down. They're, they're, trying to, they're stomping all over him. Mm. But yeah, he made a film just like his daddy in the Philippines pretending to be Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> he's not as good. I'm sorry. He's, he's no, fair, but Martin Sheen is, is, yeah, is Martin one of the greats. The Martin Sheen's the boy. Mm. Tom Berenger as Sergeant Barnes. Berenger spent three hours every day while shooting Platoon having the facial scar makeup applied. Worth it. It looks great. Yeah, it does look great. He's still a handsome, handsome man. Mm. He looks a bit like Paul Newman. Uh, he does. He's and a, um, he's a very handsome and he's, man. He's great in this film. I went down a rabbit hole of uh, people questioning why Berenger didn't become a bigger star. And the main mm. theories revolved around him being typecast as soldiers, cowboys, and other village people. Uh, do you have any other theories? Because I'd like to hear about it, potheads. <laughs> is is that from something? That is that from this? Yeah, okay. I'd like to hear about it, potheads. Oh, it's that's when he's near the, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's he, when he goes in, drinking with the jack. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's saying at the. He's just like, "What oh, are you talking about, killing?" Where he app- ah, it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, where he appears out of nowhere, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd like to hear about it, potheads. Yeah, and meanwhile, he's drinking Jack Daniels straight out of the bottle, uh, yeah. like a legend. Like like a man, <laughs> like you're supposed to. Not all dancing around like Willem Dafoe, um, smoking his well, it could be the Well, t- it could be the Ted Levine thing. I mean, t- the thing is, Ted Levine was so uh, out and out terrifying and creepy in Silence of the Lambs, uh, he struggled yeah. to get work afterwards. He's getting typecast. Uh, like, Tom Berenger went on and made about 50 sniper films. Really? Had, yeah, there's like a huge... Uh, he had the first one called, I think, just called Sniper, is supposedly solid enough. And then there's yes. something like seven sequels. <laughs> it sounds like did. something I would have seen in the TV guide when I was yeah. 12 and gone, I'm watching that. <laughs> so he still made money, but like he just, uh, he got an Oscar nomination for this and he's great. Yeah, like, yeah, he's brilliant. He's amazing. He's, uh, yeah, he's so good. But it's just strange that he never, you know, never amounted to that much. He was, he was in Inception. Remember that? No. Who's he in Inception? I feel like he was maybe the head of security for Killian Murphy's company or something. Can't remember. He's oh, no, it. he's the lawyer. He's a lawyer. Yeah, lawyer. yeah, 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 yeah. God, but he's aged. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, you know. I know, but still. And that he's was, so handsome you, in this. You see him now, that's 10 years ago. Uh, Willem, uh, Willem Dafoe is Sergeant Elias. Uh, his real name's William, and he says half of his family pronounce his surname with the stress on the first syllable. So before starting acting, he was William Daffo. Mm. <laughs> there you go, William Daffo. He's a, he's the son of a doctor and a nurse. His brother David Daffo or David Daffo is a renowned transplant surgeon and researcher. I mean, it's from all it's from an all like he's got a, a clever family <laughs> and they're rich. He's like the black sheep of the family. He is, yeah, being an actor. And I mean, loser. the thing is, as well, start as start your career as you mean to go on. Be really good, but at least ten percent creepy. Well, the the uh, again going through having watched all the stuff for this film, the those two guys were cast against type because Tom Berenger normally played good guys. Willem Dafoe normally played baddies, like he was a baddie in Streets of Fire, uh, live, live, and live, and, live and Die in L.A. Yeah. Keith David 
as King Legend. Yes. Nothing, nothing new to add about him since the thing. We love He's David. a religious man. He's great. Uh, he really loved filming. They they all did, but I mean, he has a lot of very positive memories looking back. And I have a lot of really positive memories. And uh, he got them all to do ass to ass. (laughs) (laughs) It was all ass to ass, basically, in the Philippines, which did not go down too well. They're quite conservative. (laughs) Forrest Whitaker played Big Harold, another legend. Uh, Whitaker's left eye ptosis has been called intriguing by some critics. (laughs) (laughs) That's in his Wikipedia bio. Your 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 eye deformity is intriguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine I, a casting director said that to you, like, am I, am I getting this job? Because if I'm not, I might punch your you, you know? Your eye's intriguing. <laughs> uh, so he's been called intriguing by some critics and gives him a sleepy, contemplative look. Jesus Christ. I know. Is that, like, ba- is, that's, that's is that fairly even racist? That's what? rough to say. Whitaker has explained that the condition is hereditary and that he has considered having surgery to correct it, not for cosmetic reasons, but because it affects his vision. So there you go, Tosis. I like Forrest Whitaker in almost everything. I think he's a very good actor. He's one of the greats. Mm. He's a fucking, he's a great actor. Next up is Francesco Quinn, who plays Ra. Francesco Quinn, son of Anthony Quinn, okay. the legendary actor, uh, is a friend of the show, unfortunately. He died of a heart attack at the age of 48. His final role was in Transformers Dark of the Moon, which is probably the best time to die. <laughs> the second best time to die is before you sign on to do Transformers Dark of the Moon. I, I, I don't know. Is that one of the ones I've seen? I've seen a ridiculous amount of the Transformers Dear films. God, I've seen none of them. I'm just passing judgment here. Yeah, you should do. They're awful. Kevin Dillon as Bunny, Johnny Drama himself from Entourage, younger brother of Matt Dillon. Kevin Dillon was around 20 during filming, but he looked about 15. Yeah. He was originally supposed to be doing the raping. He, he's not the mm. character who's uh, stopped yeah, during yeah. the rape. The reason he didn't do it is because he was worried about what his mom would think. So he managed to get out of that and have uh, one of the other uh, characters. Who didn't love their mother. Yeah. John C. McGinley as Sergeant O'Neill, another legend. Uh, He's got some of Down syndrome and is a huge advocate of the Special Olympics. McGinley was an integral part in crafting its Our Word, Spread the Word to End the Word campaign. I've never heard of that campaign. Well, apparently so. Uh, John C. McGinley, I think I've seen him, especially in some of his 80s roles, I feel like some of that dialogue has aged really poorly. I think like later on when he was in Scrubs and things like that, it started to make sense a little bit. I think he maybe kind of reeled, reeled himself in a bit. But there's a, a few 80s roles of his where he just feels like he's going mad. Yeah. Like really, really broad at times. What do you mean by that? Well, like, I don't know. He feels over the top. I, I guess in this film, it, it, it's not so bad because he's in a war. So you can understand him being a bit mm. unhinged. But just, uh, yeah, some of his dialogue comes off. I don't know. I, I, this were 35 years later, but it doesn't feel very, like, naturalistic. Yeah, that's fair. Compared to someone like, um, well, the next person on the list, Mark Moses, who Who's played that? Lieutenant Wolf, he feels a lot more like a realistic character to me. He's the the guy who's in charge but doesn't take charge. Ah, like yes, the kind yes, of the yes, weak-willed yes. Uh, lieutenant. This was Mark Moses' film debut. He's probably best known for playing Herman Duck Phillips in Mad Men. Yes, that's right. 
Yeah. Good old Mark Moses. I, oh, he's that's a great character. Have you seen Mad Men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I never, I didn't finish it, but I've watched the vast majority of it. That uh, there's a great uh, scene where he overpowers Don uh, Draper, and he says to him, um, "Like you know, Don Draper's still struggling, and he's like, uh, say, Uncle, I fought in Korea, I killed three men.'" <laughs> yeah, I do remember. The saddest part of that show was when you hung yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Can't believe it was you also did it. one of the best episodes. Yeah, it mm. was. It was a good episode. Uh, Corey Glover is Francis. Glover's best known for being the lead vocalist in the band Living Color. I don't know who that Are is. Are you familiar with no. them? Their big, uh, their big hit was Cult of Personality. Cult of Personality. Nope. In 1988. I think they used it in one of the Grand Theft Auto games. No idea. But anyway, Glover took lead vocals in the uh, Platoon Bar Band. Johnny Depp was lead guitar. Uh, Glover was vocals. Richard Edson, who played Sal from 1981 to 1982, he was uh, Sonic Youth's drummer. Okay, <laughs> so he was the drummer in yeah, the band. Fair enough. But it was a solid. Apparently, yeah. it was a solid fucking band. Sounds like it. So uh, we had Johnny Depp played Lerner uh, in interviews in 2002 and 2011. Depp claimed to have Native American an- uh, ancestry, stating, "I guess I have some Native American somewhere down the line. My great grandmother was quite a bit of Native American. She grew up Cherokee or maybe Creek Indian." Makes sense in terms of coming from Kentucky, which is rife with rife with Cherokee, Cherokee and Creek Indian. Is this just completely false? De- Depp's, Depp's claims came under scrutiny when Indian Country Today stated that Depp had never inquired about his heritage, nor was he recognized as a member of the Cherokee Nation. This led to criticism from the Native American community as Depp has no documented Native ancestry, and Native community leaders refer to him as a non-Indian. Oh, they don't even refer to me as a non-Indian. That's rough. <laughs> they use Indian as the phrase, as the, the word terminology. Apparently so. Yeah. Uh, I th- watching Depp in the. I mean, uh, he did play an Indian in Dead Man, so. And uh, and yeah. uh, the Lone Ranger. That's right. He was Tonto. Uh, Depp strikes me as being quite like his friend Doug Stanhope. In the uh, watching him in interviews now, he looks very punch drunk. Yep. Yeah, he's I saw him in an interview uh, from this rough. year, and he yeah. looks like he's yeah, he, he's drunk. He's feeling stupid. it like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a shame because because uh, he's such a beautiful man. Like he, he, he was, he, he's still he's still good looking, but his brain just doesn't. He's older than Stanhope as well. His brain just doesn't function like it used to. I'd say he's had a lot of work done as well. Sure, no doubt. He must be pushing sixty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, already. you can see the the booze and drugs have started to. Uh, to make their mark proper, make their mark known. He's 58. So, I mean, he's not young. And I imagine he's still absolutely fucking drinking it, drinking every night. We had Tony Todd as Warren. Todd is best known for playing the Candyman. Oh, yeah. Okay. He In interviews, he seems like the world's nicest guy. He's dead now, isn't he? He's, he's a friend of the show. No. Tony Todd's still alive. The Candyman? I thought the Candyman died. No. Now let me just check. There's no way Tony Todd is. No, he's still alive. Okay. He's uh he's 66. Okay. He's, he's doing fine. He's good, but I watching saw Candyman it, in the cinema last year. Ama- I, still holds up. Amazing. Fantastic oh, film. Have you watched the new one? I still haven't, haven't got seen it yet. To, Looking yeah, forward to it though. Yeah, Nia DaCosta's Candyman. But Tony Todd is like the world's nicest guy. He's so he tells stories about when he got this role in Platoon, and you know he like he called his called his grandma and stuff and was like, I got it, I'm in the film. <laughs> he's just like, mm. he's the least Candyman person you can imagine. He's, it's funny that he's just, 
he's he was able to cash in on being like so tall and scary looking. Yeah, is like is is very sweet. He's a very sweet man. Oh, sure. Finally. And he's also <clears throat> the person who uh, saves the uh, the other boat in uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He throws the bomb thing out the window of the ferry. I thought that was Tiny Lister Jr. I could be wrong. You're uh, just a racist. I'm a racist. <laughs> You're a racist. Shit. Those people who are nothing it. alike. He's a friend of the show. He's dead. Ah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old Tiny, Tiny Lister uh, Jr. died uh, uh, last year, the year before, I think. And he's not Candyman? No. Tony Todd's Candyman. God, Jesus I'm Christ. so confused. Yeah, what a racist. This guy's right. <laughs> Stop. I'm uh, not. <laughs> right, finally, last one. Dale Die as Captain Harris. Dale Dye served in the U.S. Marine Corps from 1964 yeah, to 1984, like a... witnessing the Tet Offensive and the Lebanese Civil War. His list of medals is unreal. He's got a Purple Heart, a Bronze Star, and about 20 others. He's mentioned in Michael Hur's classic Vietnam War book, Dispatches. Which, you, on you which... Read, um, you read that? Full Metal Jacket's based on that, right? Uh, it informed a lot of the voiceover in Apocalypse Now. I, I think that, yeah, it's, I feel like a few properties have referenced that or have taken bits from it. But have you, have you, have you read that book? Uh, wait, no, I have not. No. I, as someone who never reads, I, did, I read this book a long time ago, but it is great. It's, it's got, some of it's um, about um, Sean Flynn, Errol Flynn's son. Okay. He was a photographer during the war who, who went missing and was never, ever found. Oh wow! But yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of really interesting um, there's a lot of really interesting stories in that book. I definitely recommend Michael Hur's Dispatches. Both Dale Dye and Oliver Stone suffered a PTSD episode when the extras in the village scene uh, started speaking Vietnamese together. Stone wow. and Dye were just overwhelmed because they were taken back to their to their war days. Wow! And they had to go and sit down and have a, a bit of a cry. Tough times. Yep. And then they, uh, they killed them all. Killed a lot of them, yeah. Beat them to death. Ready for some plot? Let's do it. In 1967, U.S. Army volunteer Chris Taylor arrives in South Vietnam and is assigned to an infantry platoon of the 25th Infantry Division, Tropic Lightning, near the Cambodian border. The platoon is officially led by the young and inexperienced Lieutenant Wolf, but in reality, the soldiers defer to two of his older, more experienced subordinates, the hardened and cynical Staff Sergeant Barnes and the more idealistic and reasonable Sergeant Elias. I looked up a military ranking in the U.S. because I didn't know much about it. A yeah. Staff Sergeant outranks a Sergeant. So Barnes outranks... Elias. Elias. But... You never really get that feeling. No, they, they all see... They seem like... A, it's, it does seem a bit of like, who's in charge here? Again, it's like, ain't you... It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck is in charge here? Taylor is immediately sent out with Barnes, Elias, and veteran soldiers on a planned night ambush for a North Vietnamese army force. Great scene. The NVA soldiers manage to get close to the sleeping Americans before a brief firefight ensues. Taylor's fellow new recruit Gardner is killed and Taylor himself lightly wounded. After his return from the hospital, Taylor bonds with Elias and his circle of marijuana smokers while mm-hmm. remaining aloof from Barnes and his more hard-edged followers. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until later in the film that I realized what a microcosm he was trying to represent. And then I heard later in an interview with um, Stone that it was like after he came back from the war and he studied like Greek classics and he kind of got the idea, oh, I'll make it a whole kind of an opera thing because he said Barnes yeah. and Elias are based on two people, but they were separate in the war. 
Right. So yeah, I mean, it is. It is in one film. The the whole like it's just an operatic distillation of not only the Vietnam War itself, but attitudes to the war and perceptions of the war and everything. Yeah. And it, like it's it, that's seeded in that early in the film, but I didn't get it until later on in the film when I think uh, Barron says, um, "There's the way it ought to be and the way it is." And uh, I was like, oh, I, all right. He said, I'm stupid like that, but I, was like, I get what you're doing now. And then, of course, in the end, in the voiceover, he says, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> they were fighting for my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit too much, but it's a bit melodramatic. It works. Yeah, no, it works for me. It all works for me, to be honest. During a subsequent patrol on New Year's Day 1968, three men are killed by explosive booby traps, boobies, and unseen assailants. Already on edge, the platoon is further angered when they discover an enemy supply and weapons cache, 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 in a nearby village. Barnes, through a Vietnamese-speaking soldier, Johnny Depp, yeah. learner. He's, Johnny Depp speaks Vietnamese in this film. That's mad. That's Aggressively right. interrogates the village chief about whether the villagers have been aiding the NVA. In a fit of anger, Barnes shoots the chief's wife dead after she shouts at him and threatens to kill the chief's daughter. Elias then arrives, getting into a physical altercation with Barnes over the killing before Wolf breaks it up and orders the supplies destroyed and the village raised. The blaze causes a few of the burning homes to explode, suggesting they contained hidden munitions kept by the villagers. I did not. Um, I, I don't think that's I ever... I didn't interpret that That's at all. not quite alluded to, and that synopsis kind of does skip over a Kevin Dillon scene where he kills the uh, mentally disabled young guy and um, his mother in that hut. And also over the, I mean, kind of seems like child rape. Uh, Kevin Dillon and either Johnny Depp or John C. McGinley were so, they felt so bad about hitting that guy because one of the times when Kevin Dillon's hitting him, you see it in the film, he accidentally does hit him with the gun. Mm. That well, He wasn't supposed to do that. He hits him with the butt of the gun. So they took all of their, all the cash they had in their pockets and gave it to this this kid to get his eyes fixed. What was of, he? Cause of, cause was he disabled? Bad. He had uh, he had some kind of eye condition. Oh right, but old, he wasn't uh, mentally challenged. Forrest Whitaker tosis. Uh, I don't know about that. I I don't know if he filled in any IQ tests. Jesus, that line where Kevin Kevin Dillon says, "Oh, I've never seen brains come out. Uh, I've never seen brains come out like that." It's <laughs> like, disturbing. whoa, God, it's disturbing. Yeah, he is a disturbing young gent, but uh, luckily he turned into Johnny Drama, so mm. it's fine. Indeed. Uh, he's just out with his brother, Vinny Chase. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I watched too much of that TV show. I watched Me quite too. a lot of it. <laughs> was, it was better. a different time, yeah, folks. It was, yeah. it was a different time. You were allowed to roam in gangs <laughs> with your entourage. Aye. It was all a different time. When the platoon returns to base, the veteran company commander, Captain Harris, declares that if he finds out that an illegal killing took place, a court-martial will ensue, leaving Barnes worried that Elias will testify against him. On their next patrol, the platoon is ambushed and pinned down in a firefight in which numerous soldiers are wounded. More men are wounded when Lieutenant Wolf accidentally directs an artillery strike onto his own unit before Barnes calls it off. Danger close. When is... You, they're uh, fighting. Yeah. Wolf calls in bombing and basically like... a Ah, yes, no, I remember. A bunch of people get fucked up. Mm. That's that's uh, friendly fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I and it was Wolf. And then Barnes goes to Wolf and is like, "What the hell are you doing, man?" No, no, I remember that. Give me that, you fucking. Elias takes Taylor and two other men to intercept flanking enemy troops. Barnes orders the rest of the platoon to retreat and goes back into the jungle to find Elias's group. Barnes finds Elias alone and shoots him. 
Yeah. I mean, not all of that is, like I said, I've seen this film first time more than 20 years ago. Mm. The look on Willem Dafoe's face, the smiling. Yeah. And like he looks like the world's happiest man. He's smiling too much at the start. Yeah. He's too nice a guy. And then Tom Berenger raises his gun and then Willem Dafoe stops smiling and then he gets shot. Yeah. It's seared into I my brain. I knew that was coming and yeah. it's still it's 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 still shocking like. How many of the beats of the film did you know? I certainly knew that one. Yeah. Like I and, what, and the death scene I suppose like yeah, is, it's the is fucking, on the, it's it's the, the poster. It's the poster. Uh yeah, I definitely knew that. Yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> then I oh I, I for some reason I knew about the smoke blowing in the rifle. Yeah. That seems like the kind of thing you would and then, oh, actually, I was watching it going, when's the thousand-yard stair bit? And I went, oh, no, it's Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of plot to this film. No. There's actually not a huge amount happens because a, a lot of it film. is just... Yeah. A lot of it is kind of building up the tension and the interactions between people, but it's, it's two hours. Uh, anyway, so Barnes finds Elias alone and shoots him, then returns and tells Taylor that Elias was killed by the enemy. That's a mistake. You don't need to go into that much detail mm. when you're telling your lies, Barnes. While the platoon is being extracted via helicopter, they glimpse Elias mortally wounded emerging from the tree line and being chased by a group of North Vietnamese soldiers. That's brilliantly shot, that bit. Who kill him? Yeah. And uh, that's the iconic uh, Barbara Zadadio for strings playing. The image, the final image of uh, Willem Dafoe being gunned down mm. is alluding to a photograph of the Vietnam War from some point in the 1960s. Is it? Yeah, there was, uh, I think, some a, a soldier waving in helicopters, maybe. He's got his arms outstretched in a Christ-like pose. I don't know if it's really Christ-like to have your arms up, straight up. but uh, No, yeah. Christ did that sometimes. Yeah, there's, there's photos of Christ doing that. So that's what that is referencing, apparently. Taylor surmises that Barnes was responsible for mortally wounding Elias. It's not the hardest uh, case to crack there. No. He said he was dead. At the base, Taylor attempts to talk his group into fragging Barnes in retaliation. I saw a little bit about fragging. What is it? Fragging is the practice of killing a fellow soldier. Oh, okay. On purpose. Okay. So like. So that is done. Yeah, apparently so. There's there's a whole Wikipedia article about this. Uh, known U.S. fragging incidents in Vietnam in 1969, there were 46 deaths that were fragging. 38 in 1970, and so on and so forth. So like, these are just the ones that were you know that they uh, could 100% pin as as fragging cases. So. Still happening. It is still happening. There's a, it happened a lot in the uh, second Gulf War as well. You know, apparently. thinking about it for a few seconds, I'd be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, you uh, and a friendly fire. I read somewhere that friendly fire is uh, responsible for something up to like twenty percent of deaths. Yeah, they call them blue kills. Yeah. Also, it's, uh, in in the uh, Vietnam War, the the U.S. Army fired something like five thousand rounds for every enemy soldier that they killed. Yeah, I, there are. Some, have you ever watched him? Um, oh no, you don't like Ken Burns, but Ken Burns. I watched it. I've watched the first two episodes of the uh, Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam War. I mean, it's so long. It's so fantastic, though. Oh, it's so. It detailed. is great. I, I I started watching it about two years ago, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't power through. I, I'd like to go back and watch it, but it's so dense. 
Well worth it, I would say. Excellent soundtrack, Nine Inch Nails, uh, or um, what are they called? Those boys. Uh, Trent Reznor and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Worth it. Worth it. Uh, Tiger Blood. Uh, so at the base, Taylor attempts to talk his group into fragging uh, Barnes in retaliation when Barnes, having overheard them, enters the room and mocks them. Yeah, in this scene you were referencing earlier. fucking room. man. <laughs> he's the man. And these pussies. Yeah, what is he going? What are you going to do, bitches? Absolutely. Taylor assaults the intoxicated Barnes, but is quickly overpowered because Barnes is Because Barnes is Barnes, yeah, yeah. Barnes seems ready to kill Taylor, but Ra tells Burns, it's not worth it, man. Ten years in prison for killing an enlisted soldier. So instead, Barnes cuts Taylor near his eye with a push dagger. Yeah, it's pretty cool, that. For departing. That is good. I think you should do that. If you get into a confrontation, do scar the other person's face, Omar style. Exactly. Just to just, just so the just war... So, just so they know. Yeah, exactly. Because they need to know. The platoon is sent back to the front line to maintain defensive positions where Taylor shares a foxhole with Francis. Fuck a foxhole, by the way. Yeah, right. That does not look fun. Oh, what about the scene where Willem Dafoe goes down into a foxhole and goes like, he goes down like through all of the, um, the tunnels, tunnels yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like just going through tunnels and shoots a guy down in a, like, no thank you. Yeah, right. No thanks. There's, um, if you go to Warsaw, there's a part in the uh, Resistance Museum where, because they all live down in the sewers and mm. they have a recreation of like, the, you know, how they would travel around. So you mm. go th- through some of the little tunnels and that and like you're in it for like less than a minute and it's still too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking that's, nuts. That's not a surprise. That night, a major NBA assault occurs. That was part of the Tet Offensive. This is what really happened to Oliver Stone and also Dale Dye. They mm. witnessed this. So uh, a major NBA assault occurs and the defensive lines are broken. Most of the platoon, including Wolf and most of Barnes's followers, are killed in the ensuing battle. I don't remember Wolf dying. No, neither Someone do just I. Run out? Uh, oh, no, I do. Yeah, no, 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 I do. Yeah, he he catches one in the in the face in the end as well. Uh, uh, Oliver Stone dies. Uh, Oliver Stone is in a bunker. He's like a captain or something. Oh, yeah, He's I did. I saw him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a suicide bomber runs in and, yeah. and blows himself up. So killing old Oliver Stone. Sergeant O'Neill, known for shirking duties and being one of Barnes's lackeys. That's not very nice. Hides under a dead soldier to avoid being seen. Fair play. Taylor, along with Francis, finds his courage in counterattacks, killing many of the NBA. Yeah, this is the one point where Charlie Sheen suddenly... St- you know, steps up. He's he's in gear. He mm. jumps out of his foxhole and runs down the hill and shoots a bunch of people. Yeah, doesn't seem, seem to be aiming much. Ill-advised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's, uh, he's he's killing people. It seems a little unrealistic, and I I don't imagine that Oliver Stone did this. But anyway, Taylor even leaves the fighting hole to pursue the enemy. That was that. During the attack, an MVA sapper armed with explosives destroys the battalion headquarters mm. in a suicide attack. That's how Oliver Stone dies. Now in command of the defense, Captain Harris orders his air support to expend all their remaining ordnance inside the perimeter. Yeah. So Dale Dye calls in a, in a, a bombing strike to just fucking bomb, <laughs> bomb themselves. During the chaos, Taylor encounters Barnes, who's wounded and driven to insanity. Just as Barnes is about to kill Taylor, both men are knocked unconscious by the airstrike. That's lucky. Yeah. Taylor regains consciousness the following morning, picks up an enemy rifle and finds Barnes, who orders him to call a medic. Seeing that Taylor will not help, Barnes contemptuously orders Taylor to kill him. T- 
Taylor kills him yeah. like in a second. He doesn't fuck around. No. I was kind of surprised. I'd forgotten. I couldn't remember if he shot Barnes or not. Because I feel like in a modern telling of the story, he wouldn't have killed him. Well, that's the thing. It's like little details like this in Oliver Stone's films that you can tell he's just his own man. Because there's a thousand reasons to not have yeah. Sheen do it. But like that's clearly, you know, that's Stone's vision. He's like, no, he kills him. For sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not, not taking advice from anybody. He should kill him, but mm. there's a bunch of guys still alive, wounded, like, mm. all around. Yeah, yeah, There's plenty of people who could witness that. Yeah, but, I mean... But also, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's frag, frag away, sir. Fraggle rock. Francis, who survived the battle unharmed, deliberately stabs himself in the leg. Oh, and yeah. And reminds Taylor that because they've been twice wounded, they can return home. Sergeant O'Neill is glad to be alive, but sobers as he finds out he's assigned to another platoon. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor John C. McGinley, man. He's just getting shot. He just wants to go. On. Taylor waves goodbye to the remaining troops as helicopters carry him and Francis away along with other wounded soldiers. Overwhelmed, Taylor sobs as he glares down at craters full of corpses. In a voiceover, he says that although the war is over for him now, he will always be there for the rest of his days, fighting alongside Barnes and Elias for what Ra called possession of his soul yeah what a good film what a good film and if you want to see something that's just as on the nose you should watch oliver stone's acceptance speech at the oscars i uh i can't imagine what he would have had to say in 1986 well he would have said like i like madonna i like her music something like that (laughs) uh he says uh he basically says if the united states go into a war like this again then the men in vietnam will have died for nothing so essentially, they they did die for nothing in yep. that case. <laughs> Had a few conflicts since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few classics. Yeah. All right. Nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Glad to have watched it. We'll watch again. Yeah, that's good. Well, next time round, I don't know if we're going to be hitting the same heights because the criteria that I set was a sports movie. Okay, you go first. I have chosen uh, a film that I had I hadn't even heard of. Oh, uh, I've seen that it's quite well regarded i've had a flick through it it's a 1979 uh coming of age comedy drama directed by peter yates and it stars dennis quaid daniel stern jackie earl haley it was uh it, it won the 1979 academy award for best original screenplay it's called breaking away it's about cycling never even heard of it neither had i but i've I had a flick through it it looks good it does look like a solid solid coming of age film and it is very highly regarded it was nominated for five oscars cycling film breaking away interesting yeah, yeah I, I, I it's it's a, such a weird thing when you go back and find a film from the 70s and you're like what the hell is this i've never heard of this before yeah i mean but- an, an, an oscar winning film yeah i mean the amount of those are like that yeah the, 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 the irony is something like uh, you know um, the candidate something like Crash is actually becoming more memorable for being so non-memorable that's true yeah, yeah. I didn't mind Crash I do think that it has aged I mean, I think even like a year after it came out it was questionable yeah yeah, yeah. but it's aged quite badly now all right. What I, I it, well if I win I'll be welcoming back who's I mean we're big fans of this guy on is the it show. Hoosiers it's Hoosiers. How, how the <laughs> fuck did you Cause, know? Because I just realized you're like, you're talking about Gene Hackman. Of course I am. Yeah. <laughs> is Hoosiers. I knew before you said welcoming back. I was like, all right, it's Gene Hackman. Hoosiers. Have you seen Hoosiers? I think so, but such a long time ago. I can't uh, well, Roger, D- Roger Ebert, uh, yeah, 
Roger Ebert reckons it's like the best sports movie ever. So I might. Who else is in Hoosiers? Dennis Hopper or something? Dennis Hopper is in Hoosiers also. Yes, I recall. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a good film. All right, you got a coin. Yeah, who is it? My turn. I believe it's yours. Okay, so all right, we'll use this one. Your options are one euro or head. Uh, I'll take head. Yeah, you will. It's head. Ah, right. Who's yours then? Who's yours? I feel like I'm on Let's a bit of a roll at the moment, am I? I'm perfectly happy either way, so I don't really care if. No, no, me neither. But not. I mean, I just. Keep... I, I, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, mm. I don't care if, if I win or lose. So either way, uh, if you're on a roll, you're on a roll. We're watching Hoosiers then. All We're right. Watching Hoosiers, and the criteria for next time is a con movie, con artistry. Nice. Something okay. Something with good. con artists. I've seen a lot of those. Me too. I don't f- know which ones I haven't oh, seen. Oh, I can think of one I haven't seen. Okay, so that's it. All right, cool. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.